God, help us uh, to continue to be attentive to you, to the things you would have us know and see and hear and understand. We ask that you would shape us, help us to be malleable, and as much as that is up to us, malleable in your good hands. We trust you, we know you, we love you, we need you. I pray and ask that as my words are true to your word, that they be taken to heart. If my words stray or deviate from your word in any way, may they be quickly and immediately forever forgotten. Amen. So over the past few weeks, if you've been with us, we have, uh, during the season of Advent, spent our time together in the first chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. And we've looked at a few different things in there over the last several Sunday mornings. Uh, We're going to be in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, one last time with a different focus this morning. So beginning chapter 1, verse 18, listen closely. This is God's Word. Familiar to us by this point. Uh, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And Joseph gave that boy, that son, the name Jesus. And last Sunday morning, we talked about the fact that Matthew seems to give or to present two different names in verses 21, 22, 23, two different names for the baby that Mary would give birth to. There's the name Jesus, and then there's also the name Emmanuel. And so the question last week was, well, which name was it? Which name is it? What did they call him? Was one his birth certificate name and the other his nickname? One a name that was in state or county or uh, federal records and the other what his family and friends called him? And the answer was, well, kind of yes and no, both, neither, yes, sort of. It seems that Jesus went by Jesus. People knew him as Jesus. This is the first time, actually, interestingly to me, in the Bible and in the New Testament, this is the first time that we read the name or the word Jesus. But it's only the first of more than 1,300 times over the rest of the New Testament that the name Jesus shows up. In contrast, the name Emmanuel occurs four times in the entire Bible three times in the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, and once in the New Testament, right here and never again. And so it becomes clear that the names Jesus and Emmanuel uh, function in really different ways in Matthew's birth narrative, and that's okay. One's sort of the culmination, and one's something going forward. Jesus is the name that he went by and described what Jesus would do, what Jesus did, and what he continues to do or does. Jesus saves. And that's what the name Jesus meant. We went through this all of last week. Uh, Jesus is the English version of the Greek Jesu, which is uh, a version of 
the Hebrew Yahshua or Joshua that goes back to Yeshua that goes back to Yeshashua, which means salvation or save. Jesus saves. Jesus came. Jesus' mission was to save and to save in so many ways that we talked about last Sunday at length. And so the name Jesus tells us what Jesus did, what Jesus does. In contrast, the name Emmanuel tells us who Jesus was and where Jesus was and how Jesus was. The name Emmanuel is the combination of two Hebrew words, Emanu, which means with us, and El, which is the shortest way to say God in Hebrew. Emanu, El, with us, God, God who is with us. The name Jesus indicated that Jesus would save, and more specifically that he would save people from their sins, their fallout, the fallout from their sins, the condemnation that goes with sins, the guilt of sin, the punishment that's a part of or that follows sin, the destruction we talked about last week, that sin leaves in people's lives, physical, social, spiritual, psychological, interpersonal, interpersonal, all of that the result of sin, and Jesus saves from it all. That's what Jesus would do, and the name Emmanuel describes who Jesus was, where Jesus was, and how Jesus was. God with us. And this means several things. In Jesus, we have a person, and hopefully the songs that we sang connected with your heart and remain with you. In Jesus, we have a person who's unlike any other person who's ever lived, ever existed, or will ever exist, because Jesus was and remains both fully human and fully divine, or fully God. The humanity of Jesus has rarely been questioned, but the scriptures are also replete directly and indirectly, overtly and subtly, with continual affirmations of the divinity of Jesus. In his letter to the Christians in Philippi, the Apostle Paul wrote these words, For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in Jesus. And again, in chapter 2 of that book, For in Christ all of the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Throughout the four Gospels, Jesus, in a variety of ways, affirms his unique relationship with God the Father, the two of them being one and Jesus himself being not only in God, but God himself. We see this same affirmation in numerous other places in the New Testament. Jesus embodied God and was God, John wrote in his prologue, like no other person before or since, which is really a unique thing about the Christian faith in contrast to any other faith you may have known. But God and Jesus also did not stay up there. He did not stay up there, out there as God, some would imagine, does. Jesus in God or God in Jesus could have, and as he was from the beginning, stayed or remained in the heavens, But instead, he came to be with us more personally in form and in proximity. Of course, the scriptures testify that God God has always been with us, not far off, not living on a distant planet, not aloof, not remote, 
Not hard to hear, not hard to see, not hard for him to hear or see. The scriptures testify this this God has always been with us. As early as chapter 28 of of the book of Genesis, first book in the Bible. God speaks to the Old Testament Joseph in a dream which shows Uh, in which God shows Joseph this stairway that goes from where Joseph is on earth up to the heavens. Led Zeppelin did not come up with it. And in that dream, God says to Joseph, I will be with you. Even then, the with you, with us God. And God meets Moses in a burning bush and up on a mountain, and God was with the people of Israel for 40 years in the wilderness, in as through a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud, and a tabernacle, and a still small voice, and in a fiery furnace. You know these stories throughout the Old Testament where God continually shows up and is with His people in special, momentary, and unique ways. And God in the temple, and God in the tabernacle, and God through the prophets. But in Jesus, God comes near. God becomes with us in a new and different way. In Jesus, we get to see God face to face. If you want to know what God looks like, the Christian faith affirms, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Paul wrote again to the Colossians, Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. He is the visible, we can see, image of the invisible God. If you want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus, not so much the baby Jesus, though, as precious as he surely must have been. Can you imagine anything else? But the Scriptures call us over and over to look at the grown-up Jesus, the fully man, fully divine, speaking, talking, acting, living, moving, interacting Jesus. And then, sometimes just knowing that God is truly with us also is important in understanding the with us God. And doing so and knowing so can make all the difference in the world. Sometimes children just need to know that their parent is with them. How many of you who are parents have had children say, don't leave when the lights go out at bedtime, and you've sat on the floor for minutes and sometimes hours? waiting for them to go to sleep because it really does make a difference to them that you are with them, that you are the with us parents, that you're there in case of danger, that you're there in case there's something in the dark, that you're there to protect them, that you're there because you love them, that you're there because you care. This is also the with us God, who when we drift off to sleep is still with us. And that God, Jesus assures us, and that, that is the God Jesus assures us of. He could have worked remotely, as many of you are doing now, yes? He could have stayed on the throne. He could have not done the commute. He could have avoided entering the messiness and the grime and the grit and the sometimes ugliness and turmoil of planet Earth. He could have avoided getting dirty, but in Jesus, God decides to come near and declares and reminds us that he is near and present and able and strong and ready and available and on guard. He is with us. The scriptures tell the story of King Jesus leaving his throne to be among us, one of us, with us, and then not leaving us alone after 40 days post-resurrection, but instead giving to us his spirit to dwell in us in addition to with us with us with his people in us forever 
and always. Father, Son, Spirit. Sometimes I hear people, Christians, say things like, God really showed up this time. I like that. I like it, sort of. In response to something surprising or pleasing or delightful or good or positive, someone may say, God really showed up this time. And I understand what that person means. We understand what that person means. And yet the reality is God didn't just show up that time. He was already there. He was already there. He was with them, with you, with me, with us. That's who he always has been. God, the Scriptures teach, especially in Jesus and through His Spirit, is always with us. And the man Jesus, the person Jesus, is proof of this. And Christmas, with all the dreams and angels and shepherds and angels and songs and virgin and baby and eventually magi and a star, are proof of this. They are all proof. The roughly three-year public ministry of Jesus... The Nazarene, son of a carpenter who turned water into wine, who healed the sick, who cast out demons, who walked on water, calmed the storms, confronted those with, in places of authority and himself taught with radical authority, who pushed back against religious legalism, and who more than once raised people from the dead, and who himself was tried on false charges, crucified, dead, and buried and resurrected on the third day. All of that is proof of God with us. Well, some will say it doesn't feel like God is near. It doesn't feel like God is with us. It doesn't feel like God is with me. I don't feel like God is present or even real, especially in the hard times that I sometimes go through. Especially in the crises, in the times of need or tragedy or illness. Or the dark seasons of life or the seasons of depression and so on. And I can understand people feeling like that. I've probably felt like that at times too. I can understand. Most of us have had such experiences. But we must not imagine that suffering in our lives or in the world represents the absence of God. We must not imagine that suffering in our lives means the absence of God. Or that God is not real or that God is not with us. If we have imagined that to be the case or that to be reality, then we have probably misunderstood God or at least the God of the Scriptures. God is not a butler. He's not my butler. He's not your butler. Nor is God like a genie in a bottle. God's mission and purpose are not to make sure that there is no disappointment in my life, no hardship, no suffering in my life or your life. In fact, it is often the disappointment and the hardship and the suffering in our lives that God uses to grow us, is it not? To give us strength, to make us stronger, to grow us up into the people that He would have us be. Moreover, with if when you are or you feel dejected, alone, or troubled, or oppressed, or even persecuted, and you think that God is not with you, you may have understood God, or at least the God of the Scriptures. If you think that suffering in your own life represents the absence of God, or that God doesn't care, or that God is not with you, then you've, must, then you've misunderstood God, or at least the God of the Scriptures, who in Jesus was Himself God dejected, God rejected, at times alone, at times troubled, at, at times in deep grief, disappointed, oppressed, persecuted, nailed to a cross. And so He knows He can sympathize. 
when you're in those dark times. He empathizes. He is with us. In the words of the uh, book in the Bible called Hebrews, the author writes, inspired by God. We don't have a high priest, in other words, Jesus, who is unable to empathize with us in our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he was without sin. God is fully with us. He understands, he sympathizes in and because of Jesus. There's a big national campaign going on run by some Christians and a foundation seeking to do good. It's called He Gets Us. Because he's been where we've been. He's been in the trenches. He's been here. He's been there. He is there. Regardless of what we're in or where we're, what we're going through, he is with us. I remember many years ago, uh, in the wake of the 9-11 attack by the hijackers, an author writing and questioning God, asking questions that any of us, and especially those who were close or connected to what happened in New York City and Pennsylvania and Washington, D.C. The author writing and questioning God, where were you, God? When the hijackers hijacked those planes, where were you, God? When the planes hit the towers, where were you, God? When the buildings burst into flames, where were you, God? As thousands of people fled down the smoky stairwells, fleeing for their lives, many of which were lost. And the voice of God came to that author, to that person, with a response from God. I was there. I was there in the towers. I was there in the stairwells. I was there in the smoke. I was there in the chaos. I was there with you. The message of Jesus and the Scriptures is of a kingdom that at least partly is not devoid of hardship and suffering and sometimes even persecution and especially for those who are seeking to follow Jesus. But also a kingdom in which God is always near and present. Meeting people where they're at, helping people in their times of need, assuring them of his presence and his power and his love and his goodness and his promises for tomorrow and eternity. In the hard times when there's no room in the inn, when he's among the poor, in a stable among dirty, stinky sheep, in the trenches, in the dark valleys, he is there too. He's the with us God. I don't think, I've never heard Psalm 23 read on Christmas Eve. Why would we read it at funerals? We read it at memorial services. But what could be more appropriate than some of those words written by David under God's inspiration? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He causes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. With me. We spent the last uh, several weeks looking, digging deep into different parts of chapter one of Matthew's gospel, uh, where this evening we've focused in on Emmanuel, God with us. And as one continues through the many chapters of Matthew's gospel, one sees God in and as Jesus with us, with people in the desert, the wilderness, on top of mountains, down in valleys, physically and metaphorically, along the road, in their sickness, in their illness, in their grief, in their fear. 
in their homes, in their work, as they work, as they party, in the streets, in the temple, but not only in the temple or religious places or sanctuaries or churches. And Jesus was with the poor and he was with the rich and he was with the outcast and he was with those who were dignitaries in their time. He was with us. All of us, everyone, top to bottom, right to left, east to west, where they were and where we are. And now fast forward to the last chapter of Matthew's Gospel, the very last verse of Matthew's Gospel, the very last few words, they are words spoken by Jesus. Many of you know these words. They're spoken not by the baby Jesus, but by the grown-up Jesus, fully grown, crucified, dead, and buried, and resurrected. And now he says, last words of Matthew's Gospel, surely I am with you, always, to the very end of the age. And surely he is that book, that story, that account, that narrative that was written 2,000 years ago. It's just as alive and true as it is today. Especially and particularly because when Jesus left, before he left, he promised, I will give you my spirit, who is a part of me, and with the Father, we are one God. I will give you my spirit, and Jesus said the Spirit will come into you and be upon you and be my presence with you forever. We don't have to ask and pray, God, please show up. He's already here. He's already with us. Jesus, who became incarnate in Bethlehem, was with them and through His Spirit is with us. Have you welcomed Him into your life? Have you known that He would like to be in your And He already is but yearning to be recognized. We've got the baby Jesus in a manger, and too often our culture leaves him in the little manger. But he grew up, and he is God, and he is with us, and he is for us, and he loves us, and he desires that all people know that he is with us, and to gift his spirit to those who will receive him, that he might be not only with us, but in us. The with us God is here. If you've never received him, this evening may be your night. I pray that it is. Let's pray together. The Jewish people looked forward to your coming for centuries. You came, we celebrate, and we ask God, Father, Son, and Spirit, fill us again. We know that you are here. If there are some who have never received your Spirit, bring that about this evening. And may your life and your abundance and your eternity enter into who we are and how we are into the fullness of our life uniting your spirit with our spirit our spirits with your spirit and may in that there be abiding peace and abundant joy and may you be glorified this evening tomorrow and forever amen